Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. Uh, big thanks to Sean and Lance for holding it down on the podcast last week. I was uh, focused on family for the week after the postseason, uh, notably the, the small baby that has taken over my life. But back at it this week, uh, thanks to our listeners uh, for a little bit of time away. we got a lot to talk about, though, Sean, because early enrollees are now on campus, a new semester getting underway here in Happy Valley. But we'll start with another familiar face. Remember Brent Pry at the end of November, early December, long time part of that inner circle with James Franklin becoming head coach at Virginia Tech. Now it's Dwight Galt, legendary status as a strength coach here at Penn State. He is stepping aside, retiring. Sean, you've been talking about this, reporting on it on message boards, reporting it publicly at the end of last week. Big loss for Penn State. They have a secession plan in place, but um, it's just every single time the NFL Combine runs around, Dwight Galt grabs headlines. Well, year after year, you just think of the the guys that he's put in there, not only the physical freaks like Barkley and Mike Gesicki and Owe and, and Parsons last year, but other guys have have stepped their game up. I mean, he's he's turning or he has turned really good athletes into to great and elite athletes and, and done a really great job with that. Um, and he's been he's been one of Franklin's right hand guys for forever now. I mean, he was he was there on the plane when when Franklin arrived, I believe, and and just uh, has always been by his side. So whenever there's a shift like this and there's a change like Michael Hazel, you're going to wonder what's going on. Dwight's been pondering this for a couple of years, to be honest with you, before or, or right around the pandemic. I wasn't sure if he'd come back because he was so close to retirement. He's got grandkids now. Uh, Deej is now at Virginia Tech after a stint with Ricky Ronnie at, or young Deej, sorry, his uh, one of his twin boys. Um, is now at Virginia Tech after a stint with Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion. Um, you know, Tommy is is coaching. I believe he's still at, at, at Chattanooga. So his kids are growing up. His grandkids are growing up. So I'm I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised he's stuck on this long because I know it's been a conversation a couple of times. But in the strength world, they don't get much more respected than, than Dwight Galt. Um, that said, the guy that's going to come in, uh, they're going to you know eventually use uh, the succession plan with Chuck Losey, who you you know is the mustache guy from the sideline. Um, really, really tremendously respected strength coach. He's a master strength coach, um, which is one of the highest honors you could get in that field. Um, players like him. Everybody likes Chuck. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm well beyond the mustache. Um, so I don't see a ton changing, to be honest with you. Every time somebody comes in um, as a coach, as a strength coach, whatever, they're going to put their spin on it. But I think you're going to still see a lot of what uh, Dwight Galt put into the, the pillars of this program um, with Chuck Losey. So I don't see a bunch changing over from them, but uh, it, it'll be different. It'll be a different voice in there. Um, you know, it'd be different when we get to meet him. Usually in late February, early March, Galt comes out with his 
list of numbers that he memorizes somehow off of all these strength uh, strength indexes and things like that. Um, so it'll be a little bit different. But uh, yeah, this is not uh, not an earth shattering move. Um, it's something that we've been reporting on for a while to to, to expect, and and finally came to fruition last week. So um, all the best to to, to Big Deej. Uh, he's he's a legend in the field. So uh, hopefully, you know, Chuck Losey can take that ball and run with it. I, I I see no reason why we wouldn't expect him to do so. Yeah, tremendous respect, tremendous track record uh, here at Penn State. And you look at the the NFL uh, results on some of these guys. Very, very impressive what they've done, getting guys to the combine, the pro day. I think he's helped make some guys a little extra money on those rookie deals. Of course, they've carried it forward for themselves uh, in their professional careers. Uh, but, Sean, when we look at, at kind of the departure of some of these, you know, in, inner circle guys, like I said, for James Franklin, you know, there, there have been – Times when, when longtime assistants have left, Ricky Ronnie a few years past taking the head coach job at Old Dominion. I think of Sean Spencer, a long time, a James Franklin assistant moving on to the NFL a couple off seasons ago. But here we go in what the five, six week span. Brent Pry has moved on. Michael Hazel uh, has joined him now uh, working as chief of staff down at Virginia Tech. And then, of course, the man we just mentioned, uh, Deej, moving on uh, and retiring. That's that's a lot to lose. The, the ink is barely dry on the 10 year deal that James Franklin signed. So he, he's got a lot of roots here. But some of the familiar faces, as I said, no longer part of that discussion, no longer in the facilities. And James Franklin's going to have to adjust. I know that he has certain, certainly developed uh, strong relationships with others. But these are some of those original guys that, that came from Vanderbilt and have been part of the, the, the buildup and been part of uh, everything that goes into behind the scenes 365 days a year helping put out those kind of fires. So, you know, this is going to be another test for James Franklin this offseason. We talked about the personnel stuff, the coaching staff stuff, support system around him. It's it's in fluctuation a bit right now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, you look at what he brought with him from Vanderbilt. Now all those coaches are gone. Terry Smith's still around from that original staff. Um, of course, Brent Pry moving on, and he's going to take some guys with him. He took Michael Hazel with him. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's got to adjust. you still got, uh, I guess, Kevin Threlkel who's your chief of staff. Uh, he was one of the the three, you know, kind of the three wise men there with uh, with Threlkel, Michael Hazel, and then Andy Frank, who runs the recruiting department. So Andy's still around as well. Um, so, yeah, there's the, you look around the room from, from you know, seven or eight years ago, and that's the thing. I mean, it's college football. You, you don't keep head coaches this long anymore let alone keep your staff together. So I don't, I don't think it's, uh, you know, the biggest thing in the world, but you know, when you walk in there and you see different, different faces and you see different opinions and things like that, especially on the heels, as you mentioned of that extension, I think that's where it gets you is, is like, okay, he, he, he signed this extension, he's ready to go, but other guys are, you know, getting other jobs, uh, checking out, um, you know, other options. Uh, you could probably throw Jaywan Sider into that circle mix. It was reported this week. And that's something we've heard that, uh, you know, Florida was, uh, Florida was pursuing, he turned them down. Florida state was also pursuing, he turned them down. Um, that's pretty crazy when you when you take into account Jaywan Sider is a Florida boy through and through. I mean, this is a guy that uh, you know has has spent a lot of time um, in South Florida, and you know he coached in Gainesville. Of course, Tallahassee is kind of its own area up there. Um, but to 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 have the pull to bring him back um, against two of the big three names in Florida, um, you know, it says something about I think what he what he th thinks about James Franklin. Now we'll see. <laughs> Maybe Miami will come calling. Who knows. Um, but no, it's uh, it, it's one of those things where you've got transition. It's, it's it's all about how you handle that transition. James Franklin is a CEO. Um, he's got to put the right guys in place, and um, you know you you look at the staff that he's assembled around him, and I think it's 
it's very different. I mean, you've got a former head coach in Manny Diaz. You've got a, you know, sort of a career offensive coordinator in Mike Yersich. You bring on Stacey Collins as your new uh, special teams coach. And then you're kind of all over the map as well in your position coaches too. Terry Smith's been here forever. Dex has done a phenomenal job, I think, uh, in, in his first year. And, you know, he was a guy that was in demand at Virginia for a, what, three, three day stretch or whatever that was uh, this off season. Um, yeah, there's still, uh, there's still plenty of, um, I don't, I don't want to call it inconsistencies, but you've got experienced coaches. You've got guys that have been head coaches before you've got Ty Howell, who's in his second year as a, as a major college football coach. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of differences in that stat. And obviously we talked about this quite a bit, but Jaywan Sider coming off of 2021 uh, with that room, should be a motivated group. I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know what kind of conversations need to occur be between him and the coaching staff. And as we'll get to in a moment, he's got some new weapons in that room, but he's looking for a bounce back year. I know that there are people, Sean, down in Gainesville who still wonder how the Florida Gators let him leave campus a few years ago when, when Penn State came calling and hired him away. Um, certainly, I think everyone kind of anticipates one of these off seasons is some school in Florida could be able to put an offer on the table to convince him to come down and do what he does in the Sunshine State. Hasn't happened yet. It's a credit to what Penn State's trying to do. I asked Sandy Barber about this down in Tampa. Have you given James Franklin and the pro program enough what it needs to be able to retain guys and, 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 and avoid them leaving for other positions? Can you put enough on the table? She thinks that has been sorted through. It's something that James Franklin, whether you read between the lines or whether he says it outright, has been very important to him in, in having that pool for his assistance. And so far, Virginia's Virginia's role in this uh, it certainly has been discussed quite a bit, but you retain Anthony Poindexter, you retain J1 Sider. And, and one more thing to note here, we have seen guys leave in February, late January, Tim Banks, Tyler Bowens, John Spencer. The offseason ain't over yet just because we're starting to feel it settle in a little bit with the coaching carousel. There still could be some hurdles to clear getting this coaching staff into spring practice. But um, one other note here as, as far as a retirement goes, one player retirement, Aeneas Hawkins, um, late last week announced that he's stepping away from football. This is a guy that I think if he chooses to continue going down that path, have a, a great career in the media industry, um, talking about football, talking about other things. He's got family members who do that. I think he's well suited for it. Just did not come together for, for him on the football field at Penn State. Uh, oftentimes not available due to injuries. That's going back to his senior year of high school. Uh, came in, wasn't ready, and, and ultimately uh, some, some medical setbacks. But tell you what, a great presence in the locker room. We've talked about that every time we mention Aeneas Hawkins. Um, you're not going to find much in the stat sheet from his time here with the Nittany Lions, uh, but a guy that I think made a positive impact. Uh, I think he'll continue to make a positive impact within the program, but you can cross him off the list of defensive tackles entering the 2022 season. Yeah, they're down to 19 defensive tackles on scholarship, yeah, right. I think. Um, Aeneas, there's a reason he was on the roster. I mean, you know, it was it, it became pretty apparent, I think, early in his career. He had some injuries. He had that broken foot um, coming out of high school. So um, just never really kicked it into gear from the on-field perspective. But a uh, really, really well-respected guy, really fun guy to be around, just one of those guys in the locker room that, uh, you know, people gravitate to. Um, you mentioned his personality. He's going to go into media. He's going to be successful with that. Um, and just because he didn't have a successful on-field career at Penn State, I don't think that's going to thwart anything. Of course, he's got connections through his family, very, very talented family as well. His uncle's really good at what he does. Um, so you, you look at all that and, you know, not the career anybody envisioned for him, um, but he still, I think, made the most of his Penn State experience. That's That's one thing when you when you asked about Aeneas Hawkins, uh, like people in the program, they're like, 
Yeah, he's not going to play, but he's enjoying his Penn State experience. He's making the most of it. So you, you got to tip your hat for him. Uh, you know, he made made the most out of his time here, and I don't think it's a it's a departure that's going to surprise anybody. Based, on, I, I'm not sure that he's played in a game recently or you know at at all. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. Where it's it's always good to have those those personalities around. Um, and now, of course, you. Um, going to look at scholarship numbers and things like that. And that's you know, part of the part, part of the way the game is played these days. Yeah, he was part of that 2018 class that also featured PJ Mustver, something I didn't get to react to last week, but that I had mentioned in the post-game podcast coming out of the, uh, the Outback Bowl. What a win. I know you, you covered this ad nauseum and, and I know it's been, it's been pretty well taken care of out the lines 247com but just chiming in on that PJ Mustver sticking around as a leader, as a figure in the defensive front, you got work to do. I think the transfer portal is going to have to need to be very helpful to you on the defensive front as you shore things up here in the, in the upcoming months. But P.J. Mustfer, as a heart and soul guy in the locker room, you lost a few of those to the NFL draft um, and, and also as a presence on the field. Excited to see what he can do. I hope he's healthy all the way through, because if he was healthy for the second half of that season, we're having a different conversation right now. He's out of the equation for 2022, and I think he would probably be soaring up those NFL draft boards based on what we saw through the first five-plus games. He's going to have to do it for a 12-game sample size uh, here in 2022, but uh, he was really starting to become exactly that kind of defensive tackle linchpin we thought he might be coming out of McDonough School in that 2018 class. He's a very highly regarded recruit. Could you imagine an offseason without discussing the Illinois game? And that would be incredible. Uh, you know, if he didn't doesn't get hurt, it's probably a different game. You know, you're probably feeling a lot better about this uh, this offseason right now. But yeah, uh, we we said it last week. I mean, PJ is just an incredibly respected, and on top of that, really really good player. So Penn State getting a boost on the defensive line. Then you add to the experience that you got with Devon Ellis, Kaziah Izzard. You, you you're feeling much better about the interior next year. Still some pieces to, to get in place on that defense, but um, with PJ Mustafer back, uh, you're feeling pretty solid about where you stand up the middle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think when, now when we look at the future of this defense, had a chance to see it on, on television uh, just on Saturday afternoon, Sean is down in San Antonio. They had the All-American Bowl. Uh, Drew Aller, of course, was a, was a headliner there. You had Nick Singleton, the other five-star in this class. And and then a guy who, who what, would he have been a five-star if he had a normal upperclassman career at McDonough? I don't know. But I think you've made a pretty strong case for Deny Dennis Sutton. And he went out there, and I, I think – we had we had heard a lot about uh, Aller and, and about Singleton and what they did this senior season. I was curious because Deny Dennis Sutton has been tucked away a little bit. He had a strong spring uh, spring camp circuit here in 2021 or back in 2021, but no junior season, limited senior season, out there with a bunch of the top offensive linemen, top edge rushing contemporaries, top defensive line contemporaries. And from everything we saw reported out at practice to the point where he was one of the top 10 players referenced coming out of the week in a 24-7 sports wrap-up, he answered that bell in a big way. And I think that says a lot considering the lack of game experience that he has accrued as an older prospect. I, I got a DM from Gabe Brooks, who's on the rankings committee last week. And I've been obviously pushing uh, Deny for a long, long time, even before he was committed to Penn State. And he just was like, you were right. Now, it's good to hear <laughs> from people that actually do the star writings that, uh, that we got that. Steve Wiltfong called him a guy that's in the five-star conversation. So we're, there's still ratings to be or rankings yeah. to be updated after these all-star games. So I can see Deny moving up. I don't know if he'll move into the five-star realm on 24-7 sports, but uh, I, I feel pretty confident that he's a guy that turned enough heads that he will move up, uh, you know, whenever those rankings come out, be one of these weeks uh, in January, excuse me. 
Um, you, you look at that game and I, I know Tyler was a little busy, uh, it, which is obviously, uh, uh, you know, more important than a high school all American game, but I did get a chance to, to sit down and watch it. You got to watch these things with the appropriate expectations. Um, you know, you, you saw that with Drew Alar. Um, you know, you, you, you had receivers that were running in different spots than the ball was thrown. I think, I think Drew was off. I'm not going to lie. I, I, it's not the most impressive I've seen him throw the ball, um, or, or deliver the ball. I guess it would, I would, I would probably say. Um, but yeah, he, he didn't put up the big numbers that you expect. He, he had a, a touchdown pass drop at the end. I thought it was fine. I mean, you, there, there's things that he, he needs to work on that we've all known that we've all been saying on the podcast for a long time that he needs to work on the, uh, you know, the short, the accuracy on the short balls and, and, and things like that. When you're playing um, at another speed at another level, how does that all translate? I think it'll be fine. Um, but uh, yeah, when, when the ball came out of his hands and this is, this is probably the thing that you look at, uh, you know, against his peers, when the ball came out of his hand, I mean, it looked much different than Gunnar Stockton and all those other quarterbacks that were out there, um, you know, uh, looping the ball and things like that. I mean, he got the ball out there quick. He got the ball out there, um, you know, with, with an effective release um, was not always the most accurate guy. I think he, he, he probably was, uh, um, you know, the top quarterback or, you know, I guess, uh, Cade Plibnick would have been probably the top quarterback in that game. But yeah, I mean, I think he, he lived up to status and, and all week he was, he was fantastic. I mean, you look at the practices and I know it's different running on air and running one-on-ones and things like that. Um, but just showed so many things that, that, that made him the highly regarded prospect he is. Um, but yeah, you came out of that game and the focus was not on him. The focus was not on Nick Singleton, who didn't really play a ton um, in that game, but the focus was on Deny Dennis Sutton and he was tremendous. I will say this, go in with expectations at appropriate level uh, on def- at defense as well, because that defensive end has such a big uh, you know advantage over the offensive tackle that he's going against. But Played the run well, played the pass well, got to the quarterback, got pressure. Everything you wanted to see from Deny Dennis Sutton, he showed, and I think a little bit more. So um, really impressed with what he was able to put together. And, and again, I think he's a guy that moves up the rankings. I know other other sites have him pretty high, and I think uh, 24-7 sports will catch up at some point uh, with that. But really, really showed great things all week and capped it with a great game. Keon Wiley, we didn't really hear a ton about uh, through the week playing linebacker for the first time, more of a, an edge guy, uh, you know, a, a defensive end at the high school level. Thought he held his own. Uh, I, I don't know that there's too much you could take away from it without going back and rewatching that game, but he looked more comfortable in space than I think I expected him to be. Um, and that's pretty much what you can ask for at this point. Was in on a few tackles, was in on some coverages and things like that. Um, he wasn't completely overwhelmed. And I think when you go from playing, you know, football, high school football in Philadelphia, um, you know, not always, you know, Imitep plays a really good schedule for the size of school that they are, but it's not, uh, it's, it's probably a little bit different than playing at St. Joe's prep and some of those other big schools in the, in the city and the, and, and the state. Um, so I think he was not overwhelmed. I think he held his own. I think he did a really good job. Uh, going back real quick to Kate club Klubnik, uh, he's a kid who Klubnik Klubnik. I'm sorry if I get that wrong. He did get a Penn state offer when Mike Yersich took over. He was part of that early offer spree that went out along with drew Aller. Um, he seems to be, if, if there's a guy that you're, you're watching who could maybe overtake drew after this week, he's number 16 in 24, seven sports rankings, uh, number two quarterback behind Aller, uh, five-star guy. I know he did a lot of good things. I think he had three touchdowns in this game on Saturday. You don't see a lot of strong quarterback performances in this setting because of a lot of what we saw and what you just described with Drew, where um, you know the, the practices where a lot of it is the individual drill work, kind of like an elite 11 setting where you're watching the quarterbacks kind of go shoulder to shoulder, throw the ball, go through, uh, go through dropbacks, go through their uh, progressions. 
he probably, I mean, I know he stood out that way. You saw a great practice report. So you've seen that. Uh, you know, I think when you get on the field, you're a lot of the times relying upon your offensive line playing somewhat cohesively after these guys are just getting to know each other. Tackles are playing guard for the first time. Uh, you got guys kind of shuffled the deck and going up against some impressive athletes on the other side of the football. I know that there was some pressure there. And then your receivers, how much are you on the same page at that point through a few days down in Texas? Um, so you're right. You have to go in with kind of tempered expectations. Um, I don't think anybody should say, oh, no, Drew Aller isn't the guy because he didn't go out and light the world on fire down in San Antonio. Um, but I think there is some people who, who want to generate the conversation at quarterback. And and if there is someone to push, it is the Clemson commit, Kludnik, uh, who I think, you know, keep an eye on when those final rankings come out. I don't know if he did enough to sway our, our rankings, people. Uh, but Drew Aller is firmly in five-star status, Sean. He is among those nine prospects who starting their Penn State career this week in the classroom, um, getting used to that regimented lifestyle where a lot is demanded from you from the point your alarm goes off in the morning to the time you finally drift off to sleep at night. Um, there's a big change uh, that's going to occur for these players. And, and we had talked about 10 of them. Uh, you noted this and reported it uh, just yesterday, at least the first time I saw it within the past few days, uh, Kim Miller, no longer part of this early enrollment class, expected to join the program in May. He's going to compete in the Polynesian Bowl, which is upcoming. Drew Shelton's going to be out there as well in Hawaii. But Cam Miller was a guy that, that we heard some really good things about leading up to the signing day afterwards, some versatility there, safety, cornerback, top 24-7 guy. Cross him off the list for now, but nine other players for us to focus in on who get going in January. Before we start with the early enrollees, I'm going to roll back on what you just said with, with Klubnik and Aller. Um, you look at the physical tools, and, and I don't know that this is always the right way to do it, but you look at projecting these guys as draft picks. Klubnik's a hell of a player. I mean, he's awesome. He he's he's been really really good at at uh, you know one of the highest levels in Texas football. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he has the physical skill set. I don't think he has the size. So I think that's probably going to keep Drew above him at this point. And Drew was you he, he said he didn't light the world on fire. He didn't light the world on fire in the game. Um, but the week leading up to practice, I mean, there was a gap between Drew and and the rest of those guys. So yeah. I think that's something that you can't let go. The thing about Drew that I saw during the game, um, you know, there were misses. Um, the, the ones that concern me, you know, throwing the, the, you know, air mailing the, the wide receiver screen, things like that. There were misses that were so far off that there were just obvious miscommunication areas. It, it's, it's the ones that he missed by a yard or so. Th those are the ones that you probably have a little bit more concern about than the guy that zigged when he should have zagged and, and Aller threw it behind his feet or something like that. Cause, um, you know, there's a difference between in inaccurate and just throwing to the wrong spot and throwing to the wrong route and things like that. So I think that that's probably important to, to point out. Um, but yeah, I think th those are a couple of really good quarterbacks. I mean, just looking at that game, guys jumping out all over the place, the kid that's going to Arizona, Speedy, uh, I, I don't want to call him Speedy Noyle, but that was the old Texas A&M receiver. Um, you know, he, he he was really good. C.J. Williams was really impressive. The, the receiver that's now going to USC, uh, really, really impressive out there. So, um, you know, top of the top in terms of, of games like that. I think Penn State, all four of their guys, um, more than held their own out there. Um, and I think you're going to see um, pr probably not much movement from Drew and, and Singleton, but you know, deny is going to improve his stock and, and, and maybe you see, you know, something happen with Keon. I, unfortunately, when there's that many great players down there, 
it's tough to single out a guy like Keon Wiley um, playing linebacker. Linebacker is a tough spot to stand out there. I know I've gotten off track here, but uh, productive week for those guys. Uh, certainly more productive for the the All American Bowl guys than the Under Armour guys the week before with the the injuries and things like that to Caden Saunders. But getting back into the early enrollees, sorry, I just uh, rolled that one off. Uh, Drew's going to be there. Bo Prabula is going to be there. Two running backs are are here already in, in Singleton and uh, Katron Allen. So just a little bit of an infusion uh, of talent there on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, Caden Saunders is there. Jerry Cross is there. Um, Drew Shelton no longer there. Cam Miller no longer there. Two guys that they expected to have, um, you know, on the offensive side, or excuse me, two guys that they expected to have come in um, on both sides of the ball. So um, I, I really, you know, you, you think that these guys can maybe make an impact. You look at the running backs, and that's the one that jumps out to you is the guys that can jump in right away, at least in the spring, It'll take a while for the quarterbacks to get settled, take a while for those guys to get reps. And of course, Clifford's coming back, but running back is a spot that jumps out to me when you're looking at this group that's coming in um, or this group that's already here, excuse me. Um, those guys have, you know, based off of what we've seen last year from, uh, from, from Penn State's running back, those guys have an immediate opportunity to make something happen. We just spent a lot of time this season talking about the lack of points produced by the offense uh, and the lack of explosive plays on the ground. And, and you're getting potential remedies right away in, in the form of Nick Singleton, perhaps Katron Allen as well. I just know there's so much excitement about what Singleton put on the field. And you saw the results, Gatorade Player of the Year, National Player of the Year. You're bringing not just him. I mean, how often are you bringing the Gatorade National Player of the Year who's considered the number one running back, a kid from your state, and he still isn't the guy grabbing the headlines from your early, early enrollee class. Everyone wants to talk about Drew Aller. Uh, Bo Perbula has been really kind of put on the back burner by plenty of fans uh, since Bo committed, I'm sorry, since uh, Drew committed back in March, and, and he's on campus now. And Sean Clifford's coming off a performance that left plenty to be desired in his most recent outing. Christian Veyu got a little bit of late action. And so now all those little things that we talked about with Drew Aller that you said you want to see them cleaned up, you want to see them fine-tuned, you want to see them uh, you know, all ironed out before he's out there trying to lead you to a Big Ten title – well, you've got a jump start here. You've got eight months between now and, and when you get into actual game action to figure out what you've got in these young quarterbacks, how they're going to fall on the depth chart. Uh, and just really, really curious because there's so much that's going to happen between now and when they get on the pads or get on the field and, and put the pads back on and spin the ball um, in March. You know, you've got these five or six weeks where we hear about it really quickly. The feedback comes pretty fast from some of these enroll, early enrollees who showed up to campus carrying themselves like a college football player who showed up to campus carrying themselves like a kid who's away from home for the first time and is really reliant upon those around them. There's nothing wrong with needing a support system on the college campus. It's a big part of why you picked the school that you arrived at. But before you can get to the field, it goes for all nine guys we're talking about here. How are you showing up to Penn State? Well, uh, Zane Durant, Katron Allen, and Omari Evans showed up in an ice storm. So good luck to those guys coming from Florida and Texas, uh, <laughs> respectfully. Uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, this first couple of weeks, we've seen it in, in the past. Guys will add weight, drop weight. And that's that's why a guy like J.B. Nelson, to me, is very intriguing because he certainly has work to do or had work to do on his body. He's already done a nice job in terms of uh, shaving probably 15 pounds off. That's probably going to be a situation where the, the, the strength staff is going to have to work with that and figure out, you know, where he's at as his base weight, you know, take a little bit off, maybe put a little bit of that muscle on, get him into a nutrition program. Cause we've seen it with guys from Lackawanna before that, you know, or, or guys from junior colleges or, you know, transfers and things like that. It's different when you get here. And that's uh, that to me is one of the more intriguing things. Can JB Nelson control, 
contribute right away? Can he hop into that too deep in the spring? I, I don't know, you know, based, uh, based on where he was coming in, like him a lot, but I don't know how quickly you can make that transition. Um, the precedent set there by, by offensive linemen coming in from the junior college level is, is, is not great in terms of being ready right away. So um, that that's an intriguing one to me. And uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, Zane Durant is another guy um, love him as a prospect. Curious what happens when he gets into that weight program. I mean, is he a guy that's going to spend a year playing defensive end, playing that five technique, or is he a guy that you're going to put weight on right away? I'm not sure where he's at because, uh, you know, he's an active kid. He's uh, I, don't, I don't know what his best weight is. I don't know what his weight is when he gets here. Cause he's been anywhere from about 235 to about 260. So, you know, he's, he's been kind of all over the map with that. So, um, you know, most of these guys coming in on the offensive side of the ball. So you're looking for reinforcements there. You're looking for guys that can come in and and hop the class ahead of them, hop uh, hop where they're at. They're looking at that at receiver with Saunders and Amari Evans, certainly going to get faster. So um, you like the pieces that are in place. And and these guys, it's it's time for them to face the harsh reality of what college football is. And for, for a lot of guys, that's a that's a big, big jump to make. Yeah, what we didn't see happen uh, you know, this year were the the, the you know, wide receivers showing up early and, and making a big splash in the spring camp. You know, last uh, last year the, there was no spring camp, and yet you saw Keandre Lambert Smith and Parker Washington by midseason. Both of them were starters as true freshmen. A lot of that had to do about the room around them. This is a room losing Jahan Dotson. You see some veterans we assume moving on with their careers, but. Um, we talked about it. It's a it's a collection of guys who have everything to gain, and spring is going to be really important. You work your way from Malik Mega on down uh, outside of, of that Parker Washington Keandre Lambert Smith pairing. And to me, I look at Caden Saunders and Nick Singleton as the two players. All due respect to the quarterbacks that are coming in as the two players, and, and you're saying how can this offense get better between now and next September? Those are the two answers I see potentially. Caden Saunders. A, a lot's going to depend on his on his ability to also hit the ground running as a college athlete. How is how is his athleticism? How is his body type? How is his build going to translate on a Big Ten practice field? Let's start there. That'll that'll be the first thing to check off your list. But I just think the toolkit he has, the, 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 there's a lot of polish that I think has been in place with him uh, for a while now. And, and once he really set baseball aside and started jamming his schedule up with football and football and football, I think you saw some more strides make uh, made in that department. And then Nick Singleton, look, he's encountering a room that we've discussed it. You, you've got a bunch of guys who you look back at their recruiting profiles in 24-7 sports and you, and you get excited. And then you look at the most recent results on the football field for this Nittany Lions program and you're left kind of scratching your head and, and, and scratching pretty vigorously as I've done on this podcast. So you, you'd think about it, a, a running back room that just produced as little as it has in, in decades, really, when you look at statistical output, and you pair that with, okay, you're bringing in the number one running back in the country and a top 24-7 recruit in Catron Allen at the same position. Those two spots. But but then I go back to J.B. Nelson, who I talked about on signing day. It feels like he's the one who needs to be a factor in the biggest way on the two deep, unless Penn State has some tricks up its sleeve and it's really able to address the transfer portal with some home runs here. I just don't know that you're going to come away from the transfer portal this year and think that you've got a definitive starter out of it. It's going to be maybe a situation where you say, okay, put him in the mix at a spot and, and he's going to battle it out, try to get to that two deep. We had that conversation last year with Eric Wilson. You lose Salim Wormley, 
and ends up contributing to Eric Wilson being your starter. But to your point, junior college offensive linemen, junior college players in general, they don't always play out like Jaquan Brisker, of course. And, and you've had guys come in from that program like Norville Black, who got completely lost in the shuffle. And then you had Anthony Wigan come in, who was the number one junior college offensive lineman in the 2019 class by 24-7 sports. It took him two years to see the field in a meaningful way. And it took him, what, two offensive series to convince Penn State that he wasn't going to be their starter at guard in game one of this season. So there's a lot to be desired to me. As much as I get excited about some of the shiny new toys, J.B. Nelson is a really important prospect for what Penn State wants to do and, and, and where they want to go up front. And I, and I have no idea if he's ready for it, but until they go into the portal and do some of the things that we think they're going to do in the portal, J.B. Nelson, you circle him as somebody who's got to come in and, and, and got to play uh, up to the standard of a two-deep player if Penn State wants to tread water, at least at that position. I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, just sure. to, I, you, you forget he's he's got four years left to play three. So he does have I mean, a lot. Of, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he's a. I, I don't want to say he's behind because that's unfair to him. But he's in in that eligibility standard. You know, he's he's not where Wigan was coming in. Um, he's bigger. He's he's uh, you know he's gone as I said from 320 to 305. So he's working on that. I, I'm going to assume he needs lower body strength. Every every junior college lineman that I've seen come in needs some work in the lower body. So we'll see that. So I, I think to me it's more about the transfer portal it's more about hunter norzad at, at, at cornell and trying to figure out where he can fit in in terms of that too deep in terms of the starting lineup and things like that um so i'm i don't think i don't think you put as much i think you made a great point where you want to be versus where you're at um but i think he's more about where you want to be in a year or two based on or, or, or rather than where they're at right now so i i think it's fair points but i think i'm going to disagree with with needing him to be ready right away I agree with it, with it being unfair to ex think that he can fill that need here from day one. But then I look at, at what you've got to tackle. If he's playing tackle, we've talked about it. He could play guard. Anthony Wigan was rated as a tackle. He play, he's played guard for Penn State. Yeah, and, and, I th and I think Nelson is a guard. I mean, yeah. I think I think just based on his body type, uh, you know, he's he's not a guy that's, you know, got 30-inch arms or anything like that. He's got he's got legitimate length. Um, but, you know, if, if you're – and we say this all the time. If your offensive line is is kicking – you know, is, is, is hitting on all cylinders – He's a guard, and that's you know kind of what you say about Caden Saunders. Probably kind of what you say about Landon Tankwall as well. It's just so hard to find those tackles. Yeah, and that, and then that, there's that need word, and there and there's a tackle position where Rashid Walker has moved on now. Um, I think Olu Fashano held up quite quite well for himself in his first career start down in Tampa, but that was his first career start, and that was an Arkansas team missing its best defensive lineman. And you know it's hard to say, okay, that's going to carry over nine months from now, and he's a set it and forget it kind of tackle. And then you watch the practices, and and you know Caden Wallace. There's another conversation we've had. Is he a guard? It feels like that's where we go with a lot of the tackle. We got a long off season ahead of us, don't we? Yeah, but then, <laughs> then I'm saying, okay. You've got a guy who, yes, he's only played a spring season in 2021 because of what happened at Lackawanna last fall. There was no football, and he's now he's played a fall season. So he's two years removed from high school, though. That puts him in the same class as uh, guys like Ibrahim Traore, who you know has not really made a peep on the field. Golden uh, Israel Achumba, who I don't think we've seen anything to suggest he's ready to make that major jump. And, and there's a long offseason ahead, but this is what we're working with right now. And then Jimmy Christ, and, and he has all that, that frame that you covet, but you want to talk about development that needs to continue to happen in more strength development. It seems he would be in need there. So I guess maybe I'm saying here's Wigan and you throw him in with all these other guys, potential backups or 
two deep conversation guys at tackle. Maybe someone's going to have to step up and be a starter. Who knows? But these are all guys who are not going to be three years removed from high school, including uh, including uh, the, the latest Juco prospect in this one, as I forget his name. J.B. Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> Nelson. I keep wanting to say Anthony Wigan. As I include J.B. Nelson, where are these guys standing in their development three years out of high school? Because Penn State needs solutions. And I know that you say you know the transfer portal, and, and, and you, you mentioned uh, the, the Cornell guard and a bunch over the past few weeks. Nothing has happened in that capacity yet, and you know it's still early January. But as of right now, working with the numbers we have and the names that we have, I just keep saying, and JB Nelson maybe has to find a way to figure out how to be a guy, or Penn State's going to have to get their, themselves in a situation. Maybe this is more realistic, where they have to play guys that they don't feel comfortable really playing with. And we saw this year they just didn't play anybody else. It was six guys really playing all regular season. So. I think you get in a situation where Penn State's either got to accelerate the process with certain players and they're going to have to see the field before the Nittany Lions would love them to. Or uh, you know, maybe some of these other names that I mentioned who have been with the program longer and haven't really done much on the field. Maybe they are in line uh, to take a step forward this spring, but they'll have uh, J.B. Nelson right alongside them and, and his development from a physical standpoint before we start talking about what he's going to do from a technical standpoint comes first. Um, I just can't get away from what else exists at tackle and I guess really what else does not exist at tackle right now for the Nittany Lions before we start, start talking about him playing guard and before we start talking about how the rest of the two deep comes together. Um, there's not a big freshman class that you're building off of. It's Landon Tangwall and no one else. And I think right. that is something that is going to become more glaring as we move ahead. No, I think that's a great point. Um, still after a tackle in the transfer portal, um, you know, the, not very thick with options there. Um, but you look at uh, this 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 spring and this offseason, I think Jimmy Christ is a guy that you look to. Chuck Losey's got a big job ahead of him. You know, yeah. you know, for all the things we great things we said about Dwight Galt, developing offensive linemen and, you know, and, and imposing offensive linemen was not one of the things that, you know, jumped off of his resume. So going to be interested to see the offseason for those guys. Is Achumba ready to make that jump? I think Christ is probably close. Um, you know, I think I think Fashanu is probably there. You know, just being in that class, Fashanu is probably there. Chris is close, and then there's a gap uh, with with those other guys behind him. So, I, I don't know what that's going to look like in spring. I don't know even know what's going to look like in fall, given what uh, the transfer portal options are out there. But uh, yeah, the, you know, Phil Troutwine, Chuck Losey, as this is a big off season for those guys. And then the, the two that I would kind of qualify as, uh, you know, mystery players that are coming in, uh, and you love the the numbers on them, and, and you love, uh, you know, s s what you can understand the, the scouting evaluation, but Omari C Evans comes in, ton of speed, a ton of potential, we think, at wide receiver, but he was a guy who was, you know, the, you watch the highlights in high school, he was playing quarterback, he was running around, he was a do-it-all playmaker, and so this is going to be a transition for him. And then the other one that I, I keep pointing to is Jerry Cross, and, um, you know, his ranking slid a little bit. I think he finished as the number 15 tight end in 24-7 sports, or at least that's where he was on signing day. Maybe he was top five when he committed before his junior year, but he didn't have a junior year. Then he was banged up this year, and, and I think he was limited to only three games as a senior. So maybe kind of denied Dennis Sutton-ish, but not at a camp exposure, not at some kind of All-American exposure where you can kind of gauge him against the best of his contemporaries. Jerry Cross comes to campus – with six catches as an upperclassman, listed six foot five, two hundred and fifty-five pounds on signing day as a kid that has grown a bunch. But man, as excited I was to see Jerry Cross join this class, and I've said this before, I really don't have my arms around what prospect Penn State is getting on campus this week. Yeah, I usually have a pretty good feel about these guys. 
I have no idea with Jerry Cross. I mean, I, I know he's a four-star in our rankings and things like that, but he hasn't played much football in the last two years. He went, you know, when he, you know, earned that ranking or got that ranking early, it was as a basically a, a slot receiver, you know, a flex tight end or something like that. Now he's 40 pounds more, uh, 45, 50 pounds more maybe. He's a big dude, man. I, You know, he looks like an offensive tackle, um, but I, I have no idea what he is. I don't know what you know, how he fits into – the athleticism numbers at the tight end position that Penn State has, and including the guy in front of him, Khalil Dinkins, and then you know the the seemingly nineteen tight end class that they're bringing in behind him. Um, but uh, I, I have no idea, man. I, I you would love to say Jerry Cross is going to be a guy that comes in and fits in right away at this class, but we just we haven't seen enough of it, and, and he's so far away. And I you know that's probably something else. Uh, you know, when you're in Wisconsin, you don't get uh, you know a ton of Penn State scouts or, or guys going out to see him, things like that. So I'm intrigued by Jerry Cross, but I'd be lying to you if I knew anything about what he can become at Penn State. And with the magic of an at-home studio, which all three of us have, Lance, Sean, and myself, uh, if you're watching us on our YouTube page, and why aren't you by now, on Lions 24-7 up on YouTube, got a glimpse at my daughter, Olive, who uh, was crying in the middle of her nap. Mommy went back to work last week, so um, Olive now an official intern of Lions 24-7 and making her first appearance, Sean. Yeah, uh, we welcome her, and we're glad to have her. She's just in time for the five-star mailbag, too. Perfect timing, um, and and it leads us into a question at quarterback, Sean. This one I think you're going to have a very long, thoughtful answer to. Here we are. Caleb Williams, former five-star recruit for Penn State Target, has entered the transfer portal at Oklahoma. There's no shot for him to end up in Happy Valley, right? I love the phrasing of that question. That's a great, great question. No, uh, no, it's not happening. He's going to end up at USC, I believe. Um, he's got options. I mean, it's – I hate to say it because it's college football, but highest bidder in terms of NIL, that's kind of where he's going to end up. And, you know, I see USC as being a fit in in a couple of areas for, for, that, for that very reason. We tacked on a second question because that one was going to be handled swiftly. Um, which of Penn State's non-early enrollees has the best chance to contribute next season? I said it will be handled – it was a, a, maybe a less of a, a difficult answer, but just as quick of an answer for you, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's two guys that really jump out because, uh, you know, you take half the class or close to half the class out with uh, with early enrollees. Um, but uh, deny Dennis Sutton is an obvious one to me. Uh, you know, this is a guy that I think is physically ready to go. It's a shame he can't early enroll. Um, his school does not allow it, and that's that kind of sucks. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see where he fits in at a position that needs an infusion of talent, needs size, it needs Big time playmate. I mean, this is a this is a guy you're going to watch the national championship game tonight. If you're listening on Monday when we record, you're going to see a couple guys that that remind you of Deny Dennis Sutton. I mean, he's a game changer at defensive end. Penn State needs that. Uh, Penn State needs a guy that can get to the quarterback. He showed he could do that as well. Um, to me, he's a guy you know as ready to go as as any of the non early enrollees that are not punters. Alex Baquetta is is an obvious answer to me. You, you're kind of passing the baton. Jordan Stout's going to go pro. Uh, you're passing the baton at uh, at punter, and you know we've seen freshman punters come in right away and 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 do a decent uh, to successful job. So I would expect that from Baquetta. Um, you know I'm not sure what the uh, the punter depth chart. We went over the long snapper depth chart while you were away, so sorry you missed that. Uh, I'm not sure what the punter uh, competition is going to look like, and it's a new guy. Stacy Collins is coming in. He's going to have his own evaluations. He's going to have his own charts and things like that. So. Paquetta and Denai Dennis Sutton are two guys that I can look at as, uh, as potentially playing next year. Um, you know, just going down that list and 
these are guys that you're probably putting in the the mold of uh, Zaki Wheatley and guy, you know, guys that played in a couple of games but didn't get to the red shirt year. Um, KJ Winston's a heck of a football player. I, I'd be intrigued to see if he could be a special teams guy, if he can maybe put on a little weight. He's, you know, in the 180s to 190 right now. He's going to have to be bigger to play. Um, but I think he's a really, really good football player. I've been banging that drum for a long, long time. So curious to see if he's one of those guys that maybe gets to see a couple of games where you really don't expect it from him next year. And, and just a reminder, even among the early enrollees, you had seven guys show up to campus last January. They had spring ball. Uh, the only guy who burned his red shirt from that group was Kalen King, uh, who, who obviously set a, a, an early tone for himself and got high praise. I mean, I think connecting the dots here to deny Dennis Sutton's easy because we heard it from James Franklin himself that although he's not getting here as, a, as an early enrollee, as a winner enroll guy, they still feel like he has that immediate impact potential. They still feel like he has uh, that prototypical size that, as you mentioned, turn on the game tonight, you will see it across the trenches, and it makes a difference, a huge difference, when you start to stack these kind of players up in your defensive front. I'm glad that he had a really strong week in San Antonio. I think that's a great sign, again, considering just the lack of, of game action that we saw him uh, and competitive snaps that we saw him in in the past couple years uh, down at the McDonough School. But um, I think that's an, that's an obvious answer. I'm, I'm still going to uh, mention Cam Miller here because he's a guy that we were initially including in the January enrollment conversation. Um, safety cornerback, apparently, both in play. I don't know if they've, they've, they've gravitated toward one or the other. They're going to get a look at a few players that they feel like have that positional flexibility in the defensive backfield. But during recent years, we've seen freshman cornerbacks burn their red shirt some earlier than others. A few years ago, Marquise Wilson, Keaton Ellis this year, Kalen King obviously came on strong early. Uh, and then we saw Zaki Wheatley playing uh, some football down the stretch. So um, that's a position where I feel like the track record is in place for a pass to playing time as a freshman. I don't know if they're uh, barring injuries will necessarily be any kind of clear path to a definitive role within this defense for a freshman cornerback in September. Uh, but I think he's got the flexibility as a playmaker, perhaps as a special teams returner as well, Sean, um, that I'm going to throw his name in, into consideration. Uh, but I think the nine done is sudden along with the punter, Alex Paquetta, who may need to step up as, as a starter right away uh, as, as those coming in, um, you know, in May and, and then beyond. Yeah, corner is kind of an anomaly. It's such a hard position to play, but it is a position where you can come in and, and play the way. I mean, the, the, the further you get from the ball, the easier, easier it is to come in and play. Um, so, yeah, you look at Cam Miller, you look at uh, K.J. Winston and one of those safeties. I mean, they, they have the opportunity of Tyrese Mills. We're still expecting that he'll be able to sign in, in February. We'll check, circle back around and check on that. But, uh, yeah, the guys in the defensive backfield and, and you know, linebacker i'm curious to see you're still looking at the transfer portal for like for for a guy like that is abdul carter freaky enough i don't think he's instinctive enough to come in and play right away as a linebacker but is he freaky enough to that you can put him out there and maybe have him play special teams or things like that and uh so so i'm curious to see about that but but i, I like the guys that we settled on um you know there's always a surprise or two jalen reed is a guy that we you know probably wouldn't have earmarked as a guy that's going to burn his red shirt but he was he, he enrolled in may and did a nice job of, of settling in there and and uh playing on special teams and eventually playing in that defense so um you know you just get a little bit further away from the ball you feel a little bit more confident in that and then we'll see where guys like Anthony Ivey and Tyler Johnson fit into that receiver group. And as we saw last year, it's not easy to break in as a true freshman, but we've seen, as we saw two years ago, you know, if the opportunity is there, guys can can play right away. So um, all over the map with that answer. But uh, I think that there's a couple of obvious ones, and then there's some guys that you could make arguments for. 
Well, the journey starts for these guys this week. Um, you know, the recruits are now Penn State roster members, and, and it happens quickly. Nine of them, that's a big chunk of a, of a class that signed. And Mitchell players. Tinsley, the, the transfer from Western Kentucky. Yeah, and, 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 yeah he's yeah, on campus as well. Toss him in, too, and all of a sudden, I mean, we, we saw this team in person eight days ago or nine days ago down in Tampa, Sean. Already looks a lot different. The, the NFL departures, uh, some of the guys are staying, obviously, P.J. Musford, the, the huge one to report there. But, you know, it's, it's just a reminder of how quickly college football changes, whether it's James Franklin's staff or this Nittany Lions roster. There's just no time to press pause. The, the season is still going on. Alabama and Georgia will finish it for us tonight. And yet already looking at a pretty significantly different Nittany Lions team than the one that finished it on New Year's Day and certainly much different than the one that wrapped up its regular season against uh, Michigan State. There is just no bridge even between – the end of the season and the offseason, it just sometimes it's hard to figure out where one starts and where one ends. And that's where it leads into the kind of December that we just experienced and the kind of conversations that we're still having here on, on the second Monday of January. Yeah. And uh, now you're getting into recruiting season, uh, junior day this weekend, and then uh, one at the end of the month as well. So be plenty to follow along at Lions 24-7. We'll be back with you for another episode this week. We are going to circle back and talk a little bit about Neo Avery. We've kind of pushed him to the back burner, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we've, we we, we want to talk about him because he's a really big pickup for Penn State. We probably didn't give him the uh, the allotted time that he deserved for, for a really good pickup for Penn State. Um, but for Tyler Donahue, I'm Sean Fitz. Thank you for following along. Thank you for listening to Lions 24-7 podcast remember to check us out on the lions 24 7 youtube channel uh leave your five-star mailbag questions on apple Podcasts. we want to get as to as many of them this offseason as possible um but thank you for tyler listening or th thank you for listening for tyler i'm sean we'll see you later this week okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.